So practice number one was pray, paying attention to the preaching of the word. The 3,000 or so new believers were devoted to the apostles' teaching, and they met daily to hear what the apostles had to say. Now the key was not coming to the temple or to some place and sitting their tails down and listening to a preacher talk. The key was that they heard it, and they took it out to the outside world, and they lived it out. And because of that, the church began to grow. Today we're going to be looking at uh, practice number two, which is the devoting of themselves to the apostles' teaching. Uh, but before we get to that, let's look at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. It says, if you're in the right book of the Bible, you will get the right Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your words. I thank you, God, for what this early church did, that they didn't have any model to follow. They just said, we want to do these things because we feel like this is what we should do as a church. God, and you blessed them for doing those things. The church grew, and they found favor in the eyes of the people. May we be a church that just naturally wants to do these things and to feel the same effects of what they did. God, again, I just pray for you to speak through me. Loud and clear, set me aside, whatever you need to do, God, so that we hear from you today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so number one was they devoted themselves to the preaching of God's word, which you guys are here. You guys are in a perfect place to do that. Number two was they were fellowshipping, uh, they were participating in the church body. Now, a lot of people have the wrong idea about church uh, when they come to church, or even before they come to church. They have, maybe rightfully so. Maybe kids or some of you or, or people in other churches grew up in a place where church wasn't a place you wanted to go. It was a place that had judgmental eyes. It had strict rules. It had, uh, you just had to sit there and be quiet and you couldn't say anything kind of situations. Maybe that's how some of these people grew up. Maybe it's because somebody who had a church experience like that told that to somebody else in the outside world and that person says, no way do I want to go to church with you. I don't need that extra pressure. I don't need that extra judgment. I don't need that extra guilt. And if you, you want to blame them, right? That's, I think, why most people don't just randomly walk into a church on a Sunday morning if they have a view like that. And I don't blame them. If my idea of a church was like that, right or wrong, I would not want to go there. But the early church, as it started, as it uh, began, started to grow because I believe the church was functioning the way that a church is supposed to be. People didn't come to church like, okay, it's my one-week obligation. I got to do this. It was something that they actually looked forward to doing. And one of the reasons they looked forward to getting together at church was because of this opportunity to fellowship with other believers. It says that they were 
In Acts chapter 2, verse 43, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, but they devoted themselves to the fellowship. Now, last week we saw that devoted means they were continually, they were constantly, they were persevering and, and coming together to hear what the apostles' teaching. So we look at that and say they did the same thing to fellowship. They were committed. They were determined. We are going to get together and meet together and fellowship as a church. So what comes to mind when you hear the word fellowship? Does the bunko party last Sunday night that you all should have been at, does that, uh, make you, does that sound like fellowship to you? Or maybe sitting together at a basketball game. Uh, maybe that counts as fellowship. Or maybe having somebody over for dinner. That counts as fellowship, right? Well, those in, in of themselves are just events that happen in life. They are all golden opportunities for fellowship to take place, but in and of themselves, they don't amount to anything. The word for fellowship is translated fellowship, communion, communicate, distribution, contribution. And if you, you get this idea that it has something, there's more to fellowship than just getting together to do something. It has to do with uh, fellowship involves giving something of yourself to another person. And these people were devoted to doing that. They were devoting to getting together and living life together, being involved, intertwining each other's lives so that they were there to help each other when they needed it. Fellowship is a word that requires action. Um, I looked up fellowship in a, in a couple places in Scripture, and you find that it's used in a various, various places, but it all deals with this idea of giving of yourself or of money or something to somebody else. And this is one of the craziest examples of fellowship that you will ever hear, I believe, in the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. You just have verse 4. It says, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy, and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us in the privilege of sharing or fellowshipping in the service to the saints. So you have these people who are going through struggles of all sorts of kinds. They have literally nothing to give. And they say, we want to fellowship with these people. We want to share. And they didn't even know who these people were. They, they want to give to contribute to the needs of other people. Very, very crazy, very true fellowship. It doesn't even have to be what's inside this church body. It could be with those outside the church body. We find the words used in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. God, who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. Jesus did what it took to have fellowship with us. He didn't just stand there and expect us to do everything because we couldn't have anything with Him. Jesus did His part so that we could have communion with Him, so that we could have relationship with Him. He gave Himself to live on this earth, to die on a cross, so that we could have eternal life. And He's wanting us to have this kind of fellowship with Him. Not a fellowship that says, yep, I, I went to church, and I sang a song, and I, I lived my life however I wanted. He wants that living active relationship I, it's a give and take it's a fellowship it's a communion that he wants to have with us we find it again in Philippians 1 5 uh, Paul is talking it says because of your part he's talking to these um, in, to the people of Philippi about their partnership in the gospel 
He says, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. They had a partnership with Paul. They were at a fellowship with him. They weren't going with Paul on his missionary journeys, but they were sending resources ahead with Paul in order to help him. When he was in jail in Rome, they sent people to go aid and to help him. There was something that they had to give in order to be in a relationship with Paul that helped him. They didn't just say, goodbye, Paul, good luck. I uh, hope you do well. They said, we want to be a part of this. So fellowship that we're looking at today requires that you give something of yourself to somebody else. There is a sacrifice that is involved in this. And that's something that we're going to be looking at that God wants us to have inside this church building. These four walls, God wants us to have this kind of fellowship. Well, the people of that day, they gave of themselves. Uh, chapter 2, verses 44 to 46. It says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their possessions and goods, and they gave to anyone as they had need. Obviously, what the biggest need that they felt like they needed to meet at that day was that they needed to meet the, the physical needs of other people. They sold their possessions, they sold their goods in order to support and help other people inside their church body. But this isn't the only place that this takes place. Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 37. They were continuing to do this later on. It says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There was no needy person among them, for from time to time they they sold the, the, they sold the land that they owned, they sold them, brought the money from themselves, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as they had need. These people didn't wait until somebody met their needs first. They were just gathered together. They started overhearing. They started meeting or hearing that people had needs, and they said, I can meet that need. I can do something in order to help those people. And they, they just, on their own, decided that they were supposed to do this. I don't think the apostles were getting up there saying, Hey, guys, we have a need here, and I think you guys need to meet this need. I think they were, had a relationship with each other. They had a fellowship. And so out of that came something of a, a byproduct of that. They say, We are going to do something because of what we have heard these people going through. And think about what that really would have meant to sell a piece of land, to sell their goods in order to help somebody else. Uh, how, many, how many of you think if your dad was out working in the land or he had this property and he was going to give it to you as an inheritance, all of a sudden that disappeared, how are you going to feel about that? Are you sure, Dad, that was a good idea? You know, you're probably, you're probably going to have angry family members if that's the case. Uh, one less piece of property, less goods means there's less that you have for yourself. You have less of an avenue to make money. If you have multiple fields, I'm sure that you, you, you work this land and then you work that land. Or you work both of them and you keep switching crops, things like that. And now if one field is gone all of a sudden, that money source resource went bye-bye, right? Not rocket scientists. Uh, less financial security. I always, I always have this land in my back pocket knowing that if trouble comes, I can sell that and then I will maintain my lifestyle the rest of my life because there was enough funds that came from that. These are real life sacrifices that these people are making in order to meet the needs of somebody else. 
Now, I'm not going to get up here and say, you know what we need to do? You need to sell your land. You need to sell your cars. You need to sell everything you have. Let's put all the money in the church, and then let's just evenly divide it. Because that's not what he's saying to do. That's what they chose to do because they saw that there was a need. We're not called to do that. So don't worry about, I'm not going to get up here and say, sell everything you have, give me your money, and then I'll just pass it out to, to whoever needs it. So what can we do in order to, to meet the needs to fellowship with each other? Well, there's, there's a number of ways that we can do. Of course, uh, the first could be financial. We could use our resources, uh, like this church that we looked at in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, that wanted to give whatever they had in order to meet the needs of somebody else. And I've, I've experienced that in the church a little bit. Uh, last year, Leslie was going through her MS stuff. And I had somebody come up to me uh, multiple times and say, Hey, Josh, how are you guys doing with that? You have all these bills that you weren't expecting to pay. Uh, do you need some extra money? And I said, you know what? We got money. We got insurance. This is all covered. But they made me promise at least three times that I would tell them if I had a need. So they didn't ever have to help me because it was taken care of. But there was somebody who was reaching into my life that says, hey, you might have a financial need. I want to help you. So that might be the case. It might mean uh, giving of material possession. You guys all recognize this. Doesn't this look good? When I see this plate of food, I, I wanted to put a big juicy burger up there. You know, things like that. But when I, when I picked this picture, I had Becky Wagner in mind because this is the kind of food that she can eat, right? That looks like completely healthy, and that's it. Um, but that's what, um, but that might be meeting a material need. Just looking and saying, hey, I mean, she, she let us know that she had a need. A number of you signed up and said, hey, I'm going to bring a meal to Becky. So you guys are fellowshipping with her. That's something that we are called to do as a church. So you did that. Keep it up. Good job. It might mean a word of encouragement to somebody. And there's numerous ways this is, can happen. And God is, is funny sometimes because he allows situations in life to come up unexpectedly. And it, it ties into church um, all the time, even if I don't bring them up. Uh, but last week after church, after pretty much everybody was, when people were leaving, Marcy was walking out the door. And she didn't say anything to me. It's kind of like a, a goodbye. And I was like, Marcy, wait a second. And so after talking to people, Marcy stopped and we chatted and I just asked her, I said, hey, are you coming to the bunco party tonight? She says, no, it sounds like fun, but I have prime rib <laughs> somewhere else, you know, so I'm going there with my husband. I said, that's good. That's cool. But you know what transpired out of that? Literally two hours of standing in the foyer talking. Leslie and Marcy and I, we sat, we stood there and we talked about life. I talked to her about this and she said, you go ahead and tell everybody that we did this. We talked about life. We talked about good. We talked about bad. We talked about the past. We talked about struggles and we prayed together and it was just fellowship. And it wasn't anything like I was like, boy, I got, I got Marcy pegged and today I'm going to talk to her and tell we fellowship. It was just an organic relationship, natural conversation that led into a time of fellowship. And you can do that in church. You can do that over the phone. You can do that standing next to somebody that you, at a basketball game, right? These kinds of things can happen. Just a word of encouragement. And it was truly was such a blessing last week because I'm like, this is what a church should be. This is what we should be doing. Coming to the church, talking to each other, and getting involved in each other's lives. 
Not, not, not doing living life on my own, but saying, hey, we are a family. Let's do this together. We can pray together. Right? And that's something that can take place on the phone. That's something that can take place in this room. And I'll tell you, I know praying is one of those things that scares a lot of people. We're going to talk about it next week. So if you don't want to get scared next week, don't come. Okay? We're going to be talking about praying next week. But that can happen anywhere. And I, was, I used to be one of those guys who, when I, when I was at camp, uh, they, and people did this all the time. They would, they would just, you'd find people just praying together. They would talk, and then they'd stop and pray. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to make a scene. I'm not going to make some kind of let everybody know that I'm praying for somebody. Um, I remember the last time I told somebody, I'm not going to pray for you like everybody else is, but I'll go home and I'll pray for you. But you know what? Shame on me, right? I should stop right there with that person and pray and say, who cares what anybody else thinks about this? Praying together is a way to fellowship with each other. You're, you're, you're working, uh, you're talking to God on their behalf. You're, you're, there's just a communion that you have. There's a personal thing that comes together between you when you pray. We should be doing that. Uh, the one thing we're going to look at uh, two weeks from now is eating together. Who here doesn't like to eat, right? One of my favorite things to do is to eat with people. We, have, we know having people at our house and enjoying that time of, of fellowship. Now, it's not specifically that act of sitting there eating because we can eat and run, but it's the, what comes from that. Conversation comes from that. Real life comes from that. That's a great way to fellowship with other people is just by eating together. This picture here is, um, I picked this picture from Becky, and I, I used it because it, it, to me, is a way to carry each other's burdens. You know, Becky, she asked that we could send cards to her while she was over in Indianapolis, and she says, look at all the cards I've gotten from people. These were carrying her through. These were helping her. She didn't feel like she was in this fight alone. How many people went to Indianapolis? I didn't. I didn't do anything except for what some of you did. You sent cards, and she felt encouraged. She felt supported. She felt like people were going through life with them. Carry each other's burdens. As a family of Christ, we should be carrying each other's burdens. You need prayer for something? Let me know. I need prayer for something? I should be able to tell you. I need help with a project? I need a word of wisdom? Um, I had that surpri it surprises me when people ask me, actually. Um, back home yesterday, there was a gal that asked me for some pastorally advice about the youth group and about the movies the kids were watching and what her kids were allowed to watch. And it was just, it was a good time of fellowship, of contributing to what other people have. We should be all about doing that. And I know that, or I would assume that when you look around here, everybody has family, or you know, pretty much everybody has family. If your family was needed money, I think most of us would say, here, I'll help my family with money. I'll pray with my family. I'll bring a meal to my family. If there's some way I can help carry the burdens of my family, I'm all over it because I love my family. We'll even do this for the outside world. I see people who, over time, who have done everything for the outside world. I'll buy them this and that, and I'll help them with whatever the projects it is. But when it comes to what's inside this building, in any church there is, all of a sudden the rules change. All of a sudden I can't tell people how I feel. All of a sudden I can't reach into other people's lives. All of a sudden, all of a sudden um, I can't have that kind of fellowship that God wants me to have. And as a church, if we don't do that... 
We are missing out. It's one of the greatest things that we should have inside a church is to have fellowship with each other. We need each other. And believe it or not, I need you and you need me and you need each other. This is the way God has kind of allowed it to be. A husband needs a wife. Parents need their kids. It was never meant to be me, myself, and I all by myself. It was never meant to be you, yourself, and you all by yourself. It was meant to be we and us together. Our lives should be intertwined at some point so we have the ability to help and be involved in each other's lives. And I know that's a very difficult thing to do. I mean, in America, I imagine more so more than other places. A lot of other places, other countries, have this idea of community down pat. Um, even even friends that we have, Mexican friends in Davenport, they are a family. They stick together. They help each other through thick and thin. And then you have all these other pockets of people who are like, I'm all in this all by myself. And it's like, it wasn't meant to be that way. And America is probably tough. And it's tough because someone has to be willing to admit that they need help with something. I need help with answers. I need help with prayer. I need help with my my car issues. I'm one guy who says, hey, Todd, help me. Hey, help me out, because I don't want to do it by myself. But it involves admitting that you can't do it on your own. That's tough to do. It involves someone being willing to stay in the game and meet a need. You know, when, when we were... Um, it just involves listening long enough to get to the heart of somebody. When we were talking with Marcy, you know, it would have been, we could have just said, okay, goodbye with the, the bunco party and call it good. And, and that would have been fine. I mean, she was going to go have her really yummy dinner later on. But it involves staying in the game. I'm talking to somebody. Stay connected to what they're saying. And then you're able to get to that point. But if you're talking to somebody and, and they don't care, you're not going to open up to them. You're not going to tell them anything. So stay in the game, stay in tune with what somebody is saying, and then you'll have that opportunity. Someone has to look for a need in order to meet it, because not everybody's going to say, hey, help me. They don't have, they don't have the, the, lack, the lack of pride to say, I'll take help from anybody. So sometimes we got to be the person who's looking to say, I'll help with that need. Someone's got to do that if we're going to have fellowship, and someone has to be willing to accept that help. Okay, if someone, part of that fellowship is being willing to accept the help from somebody else. It's very difficult. We, we are, we've been raised in America to be me, myself, and I pull myself up by my own bootstraps and I can do it myself. But the early church, I think, had it right. It's we and us together, not me, myself, and I. And what was the effect of this for that church? It says, they were enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The effect of their devoted fellowship of continually meeting together and living life together was that, first of all, that the, the, the people around them said, hey, look at what is going on in that building. Look what's going on with those people. They are the real deal. These people actually really love and care about each other. That's amazing. I'm in favor of what they're doing. Even if I'm not choosing to be a part of it, I look and say, that is a good thing. These people really do love this Lord. They really do appreciate what they're doing even if they're not a part of it. But also, it says the church started to grow. As people were 
meeting together, people were coming and joining the church. Not because they're looking for a handout, but because they saw this was real. They saw that what these people were hearing, was they were living out. They saw that these people were really getting together, that they really loved each other. And there was something about that that the world says, I want that too. I want to be a part of, of that as well. And I think that if we are willing to be involved in each other's, each other's lives, first of all, that's going to make us feel better as a church. Right? We are going to look forward to seeing each other. If, if I come to church and fellowship with people, and I'm intertwined with their life, or even during the week, I see you on Sunday, I'm like, hey, I'm glad to see you. I have a relationship with you that's deeper, that is stronger than what the shallow relationships are typically are. And if we are willing to have that kind of fellowship with each other, first of all, we're going to like coming together more. But we're going to, I think, find um, favor in the outside world. Because if we love each other in this church, we're going to love each other outside this church. Word is going to get out. We're not going to, it's not going to stay quiet. Just like that church in the, uh, back in the, Bible, in the book of Acts, people didn't keep quiet what was going on. They went out and started telling people. That's why the numbers started growing up of who came to the church church and who was getting saved. And I think our church would grow as well. We would have a direct impact on our community if we were taking God's word, living it out, and if we were fellowshipping with other believers just like they were doing during that time. And even if nobody ever came, else came through the doors of this church, like I said, we would be growing. We would be fellowshipping. We would love to get together. We would have, I think we'd have more going on because we, we realize we have all strengths and weaknesses. We have all different kind of quirky characters. We have, we have just something like a family that says, I want to be together if we practice these things. So last week, we looked at paying attention to the preaching of the word. And I am glad to see everybody came back because that is the first step is paying attention to what God's word says, what's being said in Sunday school, what you're reading in your Bible, what you're hearing about on the radio is paying attention to it, to it and put it into practice. And today, participating in the church body, loving each other, caring about each other. I know that's difficult to do, uh, but it's something that we as a church need to do. So the next time you go to a basketball game, or when we leave today and you're standing around the foyer talking about the weather or about the basketball game or about whatever, um, be willing to open up. Be willing to just go with the conversation. Let it go deeper. Let, let yourself enjoy the fellowship of what is really going on in people's lives. And then you have the opportunity to reach into people's lives. Be willing to share what you have to meet that need. It might be a word of encouragement. It might be the loan of a vehicle. It might be um, just stopping and praying with them. You have no idea until you get involved in that fellowship and you get involved in that relationship. Remember, true fellowship involves giving something of yourself together or, or to another brother or sister in Christ. We are in this together, and I want to encourage you and remind you, I, I, as I remind myself, my life is not about me, myself, and I. We are in this together. We need to be there to support, to help, to encourage each other. Don't be afraid to talk to each other. Don't be afraid to admit you need help. Don't be afraid to, to offer a word of encouragement to somebody. I just want to challenge you today, even in church, reach into somebody's life and enjoy that fellowship that God intended for us to have. Let's pray. 
Father God, I do thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the fellowship that you have with us uh, by sending Jesus to die at the cross to pay for our sins so that we could have a relationship with you. God, I just pray that we would have that kind of fellowship with each other, that whatever is in the past that we might have frustrations against each other or remember the bad that somebody did, we could set that aside and just reach into each other's lives and love each other and to meet each other's needs. I just pray that you help each of us to be willing to to do that and to, to immediately enjoy the blessing of the fellowship. God, I, I do thank you for everybody who is here. And again, I just pray that you bless them throughout the rest of their week. In Jesus' name, amen.